Welcome to Export Stories, a podcast featuring first-person insights from the wide and sometimes crazy world of U.S. exporting. Your host for Export Stories is Betsy Olam, president of Olam International, a U.S.-based export management company. Betsy has made a 37-year career of developing global sales and distribution for U.S. companies. Like you, she loves great stories. You don't have to be an exporter to enjoy the stories we're going to share with you each month. We're so glad you've joined us. Now, here is Betsy to introduce today's podcast. Hello, bonjour, hola, konnichiwa, ni hao, marhaben, and shalom. Welcome to Export Stories. I am your host, Betsy Olam. Thank you for joining us and listening today. I am delighted to have as our guest, Lee Shockey, CEO and Chairman of Drexel Chemical Company. She's right here with me in the studio. Lee, who has been CEO and Chairman since 1998, has spent most of her career building the international sales and operations for Drexel. She and and I have known each other for many years, including our service on the West Tennessee District Export Council. Lee currently serves as Chairwoman. We are going to talk about how Drexel, a manufacturer headquartered here in Memphis, sells innovative ag chem products all over the world, and we're going to hear some of Lee's favorite export stories. That was a long-winded intro, so now I'm very pleased to introduce Lee. Hello, Lee, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. We are so glad to have you here. So, Lee, you grew up here in Memphis, right? Uh, for the most part, yeah, since the third grade, so technically, yes. Oh, okay, okay. And Drexel began as a family business, is that correct? Right. It's we. He started, my father started in 1972, actually in a back bedroom, and then, you know, worked into the manufacturing or backed into the manufacturing, so yes. Okay. Uh, how, can you tell us a little bit about how it became an international company, an exporter? Um, I think that uh, it really started, my father had a uh, very good relationship with a company, Marabini. In fact, his best friend worked for Marabini for a number of years. And so they began to do a little trade back when he first got started um, to pay the bills. He did some trading as well uh, domestically and internationally through Marabini. So I think that's how he started. It was, you know, always a small bit, you know, things, you know, here and there, but, you know, never, um, never a a constant business, you know, as we have today, um, where we have actually registrations and that sort of thing. It was more of a trading business back then. Okay. All right. You don't see as much of the the trading company business, I mean, it may be more behind the scenes yeah. nowadays. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't think you see it as much because the world has gotten so small. And, yes. you know, traders, I think, have always had difficulty in keeping the buyer from the seller. I mean, they are essentially the middleman. And so it's very difficult. You know, once they find each other, they're going to cut you out, obviously. So um, I, I think you see less and less of yeah. that for that very reason. That makes sense. Makes sense. So can you tell us just something about your product lines? I believe you offer a broad array of products for different crops. Right, we do. We started, uh, when we first started, we were in the tobacco growth regulator business. 
Um, and that was really, you know, in tobacco, when you're growing tobacco, you want the first and the second leaves to have most of the nutrients. And so the third leaf, you want to stop it from growing. So we had a, a growth regulator business for that. And then it was used for sprouting and potatoes as well. So, uh, but then we backed into other products as well. So we have a full line now. We have over 350 different items and we go from um, weed killers, herbicides, insecticides, uh, growth regulators, fungicides, uh, surfactants, uh, micronutrients. So we have a full line. 85% um, of our business would be domestic and about 15% of our business is international. And is all of the manufacturing done here in Memphis? No, it isn't. We have um, probably about eight or nine facilities in Memphis. Uh, we have a plant for synthesis of one product here and mm -hmm. then formulating in other, other spots. Plus, we have a lot of warehousing here, but we also have facilities in Tunica, Mississippi, Cordell, Georgia, and uh, in Kansas City as well. Very good, very good. Well, we would love to hear some of your favorite stories involving export experiences. <laughs> you know, I it's uh, it's been you know when I first started, it was uh, you know when I came into the business, I had just uh, graduated from UT Martin, which was a hundred years ago, and um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> and yes, right. I know. I mean, I heard you say thirty-seven years. I thought, golly, we are getting old. Um, but when I first started, I think. You know, it was a it was a different time, and um, you know it was a bit more difficult. I mean, I still remember using that bloody little thing that you typed on, and you had a tape and a telex, telex or, thing or yeah, whatever it yeah. was, and and I would always step on that tape and break it and have to take. It was a it was a mess. So it was it was a different time, but. Um, for us, I really, when I came into the business, I wanted to do something different, and we really did not have an international business, so I wanted to develop one, and so started looking for distributors. I used the Department of Commerce and looked yeah. for um, just the right distributor for particular countries and, and just began to build a base with that. And then, you know, we, with, with Ag Chemicals, you have to have a registration, so we would go through that process. And then, you know, over the years, looked for distributors that we could have really a, a two-way relationship with where we, they would help us understand the market so that we could in turn help them. Um, we looked to change our product. We were really, I think, you know, to be successful, you got to have that commitment at the top. You've got to have everybody on board with making changes. So, you know, our two and a half gallon jugs, we found one that would also hold two, 10 liters. Um, so that we didn't have to carry lots of additional stock. We had our own typesetting in-house so that we could do labels in other mm -hmm. languages easy enough. So we made those adjustments so that we could grow with the business. Most of our distributors today have been our distributors for 30 years. In fact, wow. I was just in Italy a couple of months ago with our distributor and he's been with us forever. And he wanted, he wanted to sell his business and he wanted me to come and just support him and, and let people know that if you buy this company, Drexel will still, you know, will work with you. Well, you can yeah. still represent that line. So nice. And I looked at That's him so nice. and I said, Oscar, are, 
are you sure you want to do this? Because he thought about it 10 years ago, and then didn't he? He looked at me and goes, Lee, I'm 94. <laughs> and I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it, I get it. So, so now his new, so he did sell it, and um, actually the new distributors are going to be over here tomorrow to kind of talk about how we grow together in that market. But it was bittersweet because I I'd bet. been with him, you know, so long, and uh yeah. But it was a fun trip, and, and he was successful in selling it. So I hope that his next 20 years will be just as good as... <laughs> Bless so his I heart. So have time to spend that money, you know? Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see. So um, in the beginning, did you find that you met uh, distributors through trade shows as well? Did you find those useful? I know in, in yeah. some of my businesses, for some of my customers, mm -hmm. I found that trade shows have been helpful to meet new yeah. distributors. You know, for us, I think it was more um, word of mouth than anything. Mm -hmm. I think that most of our customers, uh, distributors, came looking for us. Um, which you know was we were quite lucky so uh, and we looked for a fit with someone who understood the you know n not someone new but someone who already had a history maybe they sold ag equipment or maybe they sold a different product line that complemented ours but for the most part it was either using the Department of Commerce or um, are them are they came looking for us a word of mouth someone might like for example we had a, a customer in Chile and he recommended to a friend of his in Argentina you know I think this would be a good company for your market so a lot of it was word of mouth oh that's that's the best yeah, way really to grow yeah, it I think that's, so yeah that's excellent those have been the best you're in you sell in more than 50 countries is that right I you know I haven't counted lately but I would assume so yeah I think that was on the website bit. was it okay <laughs> well there you go <laughs> I may be wrong but I thought that's what it said yeah so um you and I've talked a little bit about you travel some but a often your customers they come here, come here right. and, and maybe you can explain well I think for um, there's a lot of advantages for them to come here first off um, a lot of them were for example I had one customer in Spain who also had a, a, a crop flying business so he spray business so he would come here looking for airplane parts this was a great place to find airplane parts so that was a reason for him to come a lot of times our customers would um, bring a group of their customers with them they might be you know Dole Del Monte and and they want to come and and look at our full product line if they come here they can meet lots of people. They can meet people in manufacturing. They can meet people in the technical end of it. And, you know, they get so, so much more information um, and a better feel about what yeah. we actually have to offer. We can actually show them different samples of our product and, you know, how they work in, in water or blending or whatever. Um, they can visit our plants. And so I think it gives them a lot better feel about what we're doing they can learn about what's going on domestically as well because sure. the u.s is always in the forefront when it comes to agriculture yeah. uh, perhaps they want to know what type of harvest techniques we have right now um, i took a bunch of guys to from spain and portugal over to the tobacco area in north carolina and we toured tobacco farms and it was at a time when the eu was trying to decide who was going to grow what and they were trying to decide whether 
Portugal and Spain were going to still have tobacco and how they were going to kind of all lay that out. And, and they wanted to hear about, you know, mechanization, which they had very little of at the time. And so it was, it was a great tour for them. I personally learned a lot about wine on that trip, and <laughs> particularly red wine. So it was a great, but it was a, it was a great all-around trip. So yeah. there's a lot of advantage for them, them coming here. And sure. plus, Memphis is such a great place to have people, you yeah. know, with the barbecue and um, the music. And exactly. there's so much for them to see. And they absolutely, you know, I've had so many people say, wow, there's so much hospitality here you know I'll be walking and you know I'm, I'm taking a picture on the say oh let me let me take that for you or some guy said he was walking down Bill Street and he walked by the Elvis statue and said you know that's that's Elvis Presley you know I mean just anybody on the street is like a tour guide which yeah. is great and it, you know from any walk of life and they're just there to help and to yeah. greet and and so they're always so impressed with that as well and go away from here having such a great feeling about Memphis as well. So that's yeah, absolutely. always glad to have them here. It's and they're nice always glad to come. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. That makes perfect yeah. sense. So most exporters, I would say, or many exporters have to deal with IPR issues in one way or another. Has that ever been a problem for Drexel? Mm-mm, mm-mm. That's mm-hmm. You're you're lucky. And yeah. It's is it because your products are so unique and so engineered or, or Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we have to you know, we, we are in a very regulated industry mm-hmm. and we have to meet, you know, EPA regulations, requirements and as do they at their equivalent on the other end. And I just think that there's so much known and, and so much regulation that you have to adhere to we just don't run into a lot of issues that's great yeah i'm jealous yeah. well you know <laughs> I, I work with smaller companies minuses. yeah my, my clients are smaller companies and we just face that issue a lot yeah. so that's nice to know that's not everybody's no. yeah. problem yeah so that's that's good that's good so tell us about some of the large what are some of your largest markets and are they is it changing a lot right now um as far as where you're selling and i think you know um latin america has always been our largest market uh and i think that's several reasons one proximity and secondly they don't have as much manufacturing there as we do in this country i think they rely heavily on the u.s for a lot of products and so they've always been our largest largest market. Um, regulations aren't as difficult there. If you have a product registered here, oftentimes it's very easy to get that registered in their country as well. Whereas, if I'm going to be selling into Europe, I've got a whole other mess to deal with and requirements and. You know, there. I mean, and 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 you know, I'm I'm just beating my head against the table when you know. I mean, I thought EPA was bad, but heavenly bother, they yeah. are nothing yes. compared to the EU Commission yes. and what we have to deal with. And I just, you know, something that, you know, I think, oh well, this is going to be pretty easy. And a million dollars later, I'm still, you know, waiting for. Are we yeah. ever going to be able to sell in this market? So it's a whole different different mindset and and much more difficult sure do you rely on your uh, dealers to work through those 
those well, EU issues do. for the most well, part? Well, for the most part, we have consultant that we deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone who, because the, the, the goalpost keeps moving in addition to that. You know, the regulations keep changing. So just about the thing, time you think you know it, it's changed. So um, you really have to have, a, in our business, you really have to have a consultant that is in that full time. Yeah. And, and so we do. And they work with both us and our distributor, but we both need a consultant yeah. to, to work that market. So, yeah. yeah. It's but very it's a, yeah, it's, complicated. It's very complicated. Very complicated. Are you concerned about Brexit? I mean, who isn't, but... Well... You know, is the I, I UK mean, a, a market for you? It is a market for us. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure they're going anywhere. <laughs> yes, I mean, you probably you know, have some time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not feeling that there's going to be any major split anytime soon. Yeah. You know, um, about three years ago when I went over there and I had a meeting in the UK, uh, which we do every year in Brighton, and. Um, you know, there was really a lot of talk about, okay, what are we going to do for things that, you know, for registrations and this sort of thing. Um, I, I, I just, um, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Even our consultants said, you know, they were going to move out of UK. To be clear, this is probably not something I should say on broadcast, but however, it just seems to be a lot of piss fighting to me. Yeah. You know, because why should you have to move your offices outside of the UK to work in the EU. I mean, okay, maybe you have duties now between yourselves, but you still should be able to, you know, I mean, I hear things about, well, you're not going to be able to fly your planes and you're not going to be able to, I mean, it just, you know. I hope you're right. It could be very complicated and then you, then you throw in Ireland and Scotland and and all those issues. And I think they're just going to shoot themselves in the foot both ways. I think that's why they're dragging their feet because it is so complicated if it really happens. Well, I think if it was really going to happen, unfortunately, they should have started about three or four years ago in making a plan, and there doesn't seem to be one. And I'm not speaking for the Brits or or the European people. I just think, my goodness, it just seems like there was not a really great plan out there ready for the drop date and now I don't know what that drop date will ever be so we'll see it was a political decision absolutely and and now they have to right uh, work around that it's really complicated yeah I'm not I I, I, I've gone from being concerned to maybe it'll happen (laughs) and maybe it won't you know I good attitude yeah I mean I'm gonna be kind of like gone with the wind I'll think about that tomorrow you know (laughs) because Exactly. Doesn't seem to be happening soon. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think for now they're they put some decisions off till September or whatever. Right. We'll see. It'll right. may just keep going like absolutely. You said. Yeah. So, well, do you have some stories that you thought about you wanted to share with us today about some of your f- funny incidents when? They, came, you know, customers came to visit you, or you went to visit them, or well, you know, I mean, when you when. I, it's not so comical these days, I think, you know, because truthfully the world has shrunk. And I yes. think that um, that you see more women in trade than you ever did before. But 100 years ago, when I first started out, and particularly in the ag industry, you really didn't see a lot of women. So sure, it was a different time, yeah. and, and, and it, was, it, it got kind of comical at times because, you know, you would, like, for instance, I... I um, I had two guys coming in 
Um, one, I think one was from Argentina and I think one was from Chile and they were the ones they were friends and, and they were both coming in and coming in on, and I was going to meet them at the Memphis airport, which, you know, is quite small. And I, I lost them both, which is kind of hard to do in an airport as small as Memphis was at the time. But what happened was I had told them that I would be at that time, you could actually go to the gate and meet them. And so I said, I'll be there and I'll meet you. And you know, I'm, I'm short and, and I have on, I don't know what color I had on. And that's pretty much all I said. Well, they walked right by me, both of them. And, and, and then I proceeded for the next 45 minutes to look for them because they, you know, they weren't. Did they know you were a woman when you first met them? Well, yeah, they knew that part. And so, and so, I mean, I just thought it was a no brainer. I think I might've been the only woman standing there actually. (laughs) So when I finally caught up with them and I mean, I was just beside myself because I, I, how, how could it was embarrassing, you know, that for 45 minutes, I can't find these people. I was so exasperated. I said, what happened? I mean, I specifically told you I was short in the color that I had on. And he said, well, we talked, you know, me and Mario, we talked and we knew that you were female and we knew that you weren't married. And so we decided you were very ugly. So when we saw you, we walked right by you. So just, I, they were kidding. Oh my God! No, they weren't kidding. They weren't kidding. And ah! I mean, you know, I thought, well, that's about the most backhanded compliment. I mean, <laughs> so you know, I mean, things you mean, like that. You mean, did they mean that you were professional, and that's why? They, I mean, no, no, no. Because I wasn't married, they thought I must be very ugly, and I really don't know oh, why they didn't know I was married. Oh, actually, I yes, see. So, but okay. I must be. You know, I was probably at the time maybe twenty nine. And I and I wasn't married. I don't know how they knew that though, actually. But anyway, so that was the rationale for passing me up. So, you know, <laughs> just just things like that. I mean, I had um, a guy call me one time. He said he, he calls on the phone, and he says, "I'm in Miami. I finally figured out that was Miami, and I will be there in two and a half hours." I'm thinking, what the hell? Okay, so at the time. My dad was in the hospital for, I don't know, he had a, a, something. something wrong going, uh, stomach ulcer or something pretty bad. And so, I mean, you know, I'm not on my best, it's not my best day. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll go pick this guy up. So I get there, I get to his gate, and I mean, he's he's from Sudan, so he's got the garb. I mean, I recognize him. I made a beeline for that man. And I got up there and said, hi, you know, I'm Lee, you know, nice to meet you. And he goes, hmm. I mean, not, hi, thanks for coming to get me, glad to see you, nothing. Okay, so we go down, we get his luggage, but she still hadn't said anything to me, okay? So, I tell him, I'll go get the car, I'll be around to pick you up. He gets in the car, he sits down, and I'm taking off, and he said, I said, I've made you a hotel reservation. He goes, he looks at me, and he says, a woman's place is in the home. That's all he says. The woman's place is in the home. I hit that break. <laughs> and I said, listen, I'm it. I'm all you got. Yeah. And I can back up and we can find you a flight right back out of here. And he goes, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and we got along great after that. But you know, stuff like that, which yeah. you would never really, I think, see happen today. You yeah. know, kind of. Yeah. You know, uh, things, you know, just funny stories like that where, you know, but it's good for it. people to understand. 
I mean, I, I think we still have a ways to go, but we've yeah. come a yeah. long way, too. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. So, I mean, did you ever have, you know, back in those days, did you ever have people say, well, can I talk to your dad? Like, try to talk, like, try to No, actually, you but you know, about four years ago, I was in, um, I was actually in Glasgow, in Scotland, and uh, I had a new guy might have been six years ago, a new guy that was working for me, just started. He was actually the son of my distributor in Spain, and he wanted to come work for me. Um, and I'd known him before birth. And so <laughs> so we're sitting there, and he's brand new. I mean, absolutely brand new. And we're sitting there with a guy. I can't remember where he was from. And uh, so he keeps, you know, talking to this new assistant, and which is, you know, great. And and then he said, well, you, you need to come and visit us sometime. And, and you know, the kids said, oh, well, that, that would be great. And then and I'm, I'm just sitting there, and I'm just, I'm fine with it. And he turns to me and said, and you can't come. You're not invited. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought it was hysterical. And I just started laughing. And said, I didn't want to come anyway. <laughs> and he looked at me, and then he started laughing. And oh, so, that's you know, good. so I mean, you know, you just kind of joked about it, and right? Went on. So, right. Yeah. So, right. you know, I just I don't think you see a whole lot of that today. And I think as no. long as you, you know, usually by the time someone would meet me, they, you know, they typically thought I was a man because I have a man's name, obviously. Um, and but 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 the, by the time they met me. They knew that actually I must know something because I've been going back and forth with them, and and uh, so that it was you know pr- pretty easy. Yeah. But I don't you know I, I don't see anything like that today. And you know I, I travel a lot to China, um, two or three times a year anyway. Yeah. We do a lot of our buying there, and uh, you know I I would say fifty percent of the people in my industry are women. In fact, three of my best friends are Chinese, and. Uh, you know, and work yeah. in the industry. Yeah, so yeah. It's it's so commonplace now. Absolutely. And and China Absolutely. has infiltrated every country in the world, and Absolutely. so now it's. Uh, I think everyone's quite used to the fact that there's a fifty-fifty combination of both in the business. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I I started out in the very early '80s in steamship sales, yeah. and I felt that. Women, I mean, we we brought I thought some a new level of professionalism in that business. It was still the five martini lunch, right? And, right. And you know they didn't yeah, get a lot a of drunken work crowd, done. wasn't it? I yeah. remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. but it you know and it wasn't all a lot of it wasn't about business. And right. I think when women came in, we were like. I maybe can have one martini right. at lunch, but I do right. want to talk about business. I've got six sales calls to make today, right. so uh, I thought we helped kind of change, change that the the market a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, at least that's in my head, and that's a good thing, <laughs> a really good thing. Right? Exactly. Yay yeah. us! Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, I don't, and I really don't. You know, anymore. Back in the past, I did, but now, you know, we have a whole department that handles as far as you know, ocean freight rates and mm-hmm. and all of that goes, you know, is handled by somebody else. But certainly that is such an important part of being able to be competitive is having those relationships with those steamship companies and having the right rates and the availability of vessels, certainly in a business like ours, which is sure. seasonal. You sure. know, if we if we don't get our cargo on a ship, if that right. gets rolled, 
a couple of times, we're in trouble because the season's over. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's it, huge. It becomes it's huge. a very big deal to yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear you say that because uh, talking to some people in the steamship business today, it seems to have become less personal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I feel like in any business, there is a relationship side. I agree of, with that. Uh, yeah. At least on, on the sales side. Yeah, I businesses. think relationships matter. If you've, got, if you've got trust, if they come in and they learn your business and understand what's important and what you need and... and you know that how important the the reliability of that schedule. I mean, you know, there's times when you know we've got something booked, and they say, "Ah, oh, you know what? Well, we're not coming to New Orleans this time, or we're not going to Savannah this time." And you're like, "What?" And you've already got your product in oh, that yeah. particular container for that particular steamship vessel, and now you got to wait two weeks. I mean, really? So yeah, it's yeah. I think relationships are still very important. I agree. I agree. Um, so, like I said, I speak often on behalf of smaller mm-hmm. shippers and exporters, and uh, and I'm a consultant, of course. So I see a, I still see a good bit of potential fraud out there that mm-hmm. I, you know I've learned how to avoid mm-hmm. over many years. But does that? Ever, I mean, you have a sophisticated, established business, mm-hmm. but do y'all ever have situations where? Uh, you deal with a fraudulent or fake buyer, you know, comes along and it takes you a while to realize? You know, I mean, we've had some situations where, you know, in the past it's been quite, I mean, we're pretty careful about checking out somebody before we, before we buy, I mean, before we sell them. Um, Yeah. And there are many things you can do to check. No, there's been times when, I pulled cargo off a vessel before it got there at a transshipment spot and and said, send us the money or it's coming back. So, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, there are things that, like you said, that you can do and you you have to be careful. And that's always the, you know, usually for us in in a case like that, you know, I used to have letter of credit. Now we have FCIA. And, you know, with FCIA... Uh, fortunately, that can you explain? Not, for yeah, that's Foreign Credit Insurance Association, okay. and and so they give us commercial credit. So if we sell to somebody and they don't pay, they will give us back. They will cover with insurance like ninety five percent of the invoice value. The real beauty of of having a company like FCIA insure your goods is that you get the background credit information on that company. Perfect example would be one time I was selling to a company in Mexico and they were in the ag business but they were they also sold um, industrial chemicals used in whiteners like for cleaning materials mm-hmm. you know um, washing liquid materials and, and that sort of thing and so they were or they were buying from companies in the U.S. and so they weren't paying us and it was a substantial it was almost a million dollars and so they weren't paying us and they were behind and so we got you'd already had some sales already shipped them into Mexico they had the goods and it was at like 90 days and Mm -hmm. they were about 60 days overdue and uh, so FCIA got involved and said "Um, why aren't you paying them you're paying your other suppliers for the whiteners and they said 
wow, that, you know, that's a different division of our company, you know, and they said, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. You pay them or we're going to pull your credit on everybody. So because they strong-armed them, they got us our money the next week. And I have ever since then been eternally grateful. Absolutely. Because they know the markets and they know the buyers, you know, and the countries, you know, we constantly get updates about, you know, whether a country is safe from a credit standpoint or not, uh, from a political standpoint or not. And, you know, if they, um, if not, not just about the country, but specifically about the company as well. So it's a tremendous help to us to keep us from getting in trouble with, you know, somebody that might not have a a good purchase history in the past or a good credit rating. Yes. So that's been tremendously helpful to us. Absolutely. Good. That's, that's good for people to understand. Yeah. Of all size companies. Because, you know, know, if you're selling all over the world, you just can't keep up with all of it. And, you know, specifically from a, you know, things can change overnight. And, you know, if FCIA is not going to cover a country, I probably don't want to be there. So knowing that and getting those updates is, is extremely helpful. Absolutely. You and I and other members of the West Tennessee District Export Council have discussed current issues regarding tariffs, Yeah. specifically with China. Uh, what is your perspective on this? I mean, t- speaking of political change, you know, the political environment changing, mm-hmm. At this point, what is your perspective on this? I hate using trade in politics. Yes. You know, I, it's just really unfortunate. I, you know, I understand that, you know, politically there may be some issues with, with China, but I personally don't feel like the way to address it is with trade because the people who get hurt are you and I. Exactly, and not so much China. In explain, my opinion, you know, I explain see, some of the the uh, well, repercussions that you're well, seeing right now. Well, the repercussions would be, you know, I'm getting ready to buy product. Um, in, in is this China. for manufacturing? Yeah, for manufacturing. Okay, and suddenly it's got a ten percent tariff on it, and 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 in a few months it may jump to twenty five percent. Now he's just said that now he's going to go ahead. And those tariffs that were at 10% are now going to go to 25% supposedly this Friday because China is not progressing in negotiations the way they should. And while I understand that, you know, you you need some way to position and, and, and negotiate, it is a very difficult thing for small businesses in this country who, Absolutely. number one, may not have an alternative as, as a supply. Right. And certainly, even if we did, we haven't had time to, to, to sort that out or find them or even get them uh, vetted to see if they would even be an alternative, uh, a viable alternative. So I, I don't like to see this happen. We, we used to do some of this years ago. And, and stopped it and, and personally I, I would like to see that again because I don't I don't think this is the is really the answer and what happens then is and then it just goes into this piss fight again you know exactly. it's the same thing going on on the other side is right. that okay we slap tariffs on them then they slap right. tariffs on us right. and it just 
you know, it just, to me, it doesn't really resolve anything. And so I'm, I'm just very disappointed that things yeah. have escalated to this, to this level. You because must, I think yeah. we need China and China needs us. Exactly. And I'd like to see us resolve it in another way. I don't have an answer to what that is. But well, it's hard I'd like work. to make him get, you know, when yeah. I was growing up, when my sister and I would get in a fight, my dad would make us get in a room and hug, you know, or kiss. <laughs> and I'd like to make him get in a room and hug, you know, and just <laughs> I resolve love it some other way, yeah. you know. No, negotiating is hard work. It and is you hard. Have, you have to be patient and you have right. to have some strategy. Right. And, uh, but you have to think about all the people that are getting hurt. Right. The, that I are mean, you must see the it. farmers. You know, you must see it at that level, how it's affecting well, them. obviously, and, and I don't care who it, you know, at 10%, it may not affect the consumer too much. I mean, it's, you know, what, $200 billion worth of goods that he's put the 10% tariff on. And at 10%, they may not see it so much. But when it hits 25, everybody's going to see it. So it's really the American consumer that's going to be hit with these these higher prices. Um and the retaliation, which there could be more. Right, right. And it's already affected. And selling their goods, yes. they're exporting their goods, the same right. thing. Yeah, I know soybeans have, have been Absolutely. seriously affected. Yes. What are yes. some of the other crops? I think know? every crop is going to be you know, pretty yeah. much affected because yeah. anything that's American, they're going to you know, kind of ban or put a high tariff on or, you know, yeah. so it just, it just gets uglier and uglier. And and then of course the prices for everything goes up as well. So, and, and you, you just don't find, you know, and, and so you might have an alternative source, but once they see the prices going up here, guess what they do? They raise their price too. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's not a good, there's not a good solution for those of us stuck in the middle. Right, um, right. So it's just, I'm just hoping that yeah. Friday doesn't happen or, you know, in that they resolve this quickly because exactly. it's a bloody nightmare. Exactly. Uh, well, I think it's important to express ourselves yeah. in this situation. Gover our government needs to hear from everybody and, right. and how they feel about it. So. Well, and I think they did, actually. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people went to Washington. We certainly did and testified in lots of different industries. Now, some were for it, and, you know, some were very much against it. So, you know, I think, I, I, I do think they, they, they did have hearings, and they did hear, the International Trade Administration did hear from from people and, and the, the headache that it was going to cause a lot of businesses. But still did it, so there you have it. Uh, what, today is uh, May 7th, yeah. because I don't know when this podcast is coming right. out right away. But So right now we're talking about May 7th, so maybe when this comes out, everything will have changed. Well, yeah, I, but that's, and, it, and it's three days from now, actually, is when he says yeah. he's going to do it. Right. So it'll be so sudden that you don't even have time to prepare if you thought, oh, my gosh, that's going to go to 25% tariff. Let me quickly get some material in. You don't have time to do that. Well, if you were going to buy something from China, it would take you at least a month, month and a half to get it in here. And so, well, people are stockpiling too. So what well, happens? Well, they have stockpiled. That's yeah, true. So what happens if, if and when uh, the prices come back to, you know, the market settles out and prices come down? People are going to be stuck with inventory. Well, Some of it may not yeah, even my be good. is that... And I could be wrong, but my understanding is that if the tariff comes off, that you'll be able to file to get that money back. 
Because it certainly wouldn't be fair for those who brought material in when there was a 25% tariff and now the tariff's gone and you can get it at a 25% less price, you know, to those who brought in. So that's my understanding. That'll be part of the negotiation. That would be part of the deal. Yeah, you would get your tariff money back. Well, that would be helpful. That would be helpful. Right. Otherwise, I mean, you could really be hurt. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so glad we've solved all these problems today. <laughs> well, I don't know that we solved them, but we've certainly bitched about them. Well, we've and expressed you know? ourselves. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and that's, that's, that's right. important. So, <laughs> listen, I can't thank you enough for being here today and, and sharing some things about your business and your experience. And it's really been fun chatting well, thank with you. you. It's been fun to be here. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening to Export Stories. Perhaps you have a good export story that you would like to share with us or a comment about today's podcast. You can send your ideas and comments to our website at exportstoriespodcast.com or to Betsy Olam on LinkedIn. Subscribe to our newsletter at exportstoriespodcast.com so we can alert you of upcoming episodes and share resources with you. We're building a community of export storytellers, so please share this podcast with your friends who have interest in exporting. 